We're on. And we're on. And welcome to the Partners Podcast. This is your host, Braxton speaking. Uh, The Partners Podcast is the encyclopedic and comprehensive guide to all things tax. Um, We are joined today by multiple tax experts here to teach us about the tax implications of Bitcoin. I'm going to go ahead and let you guys introduce yourselves. Yeah, thanks, Braxton. Uh, My name is uh, Kalyan Sola, and I'm really glad to have made it today to the group uh, here at the Partners Podcast. Me and a couple of the guys will be talking about uh, a few of the points uh, that we'll discuss later, later down the road. So thanks. My name is Matt McDevitt, and it's an absolute pleasure to be on the Partners Podcast. I'm a regular listener, um, and I'm excited to, to kind of take a deep dive into the topic of Bitcoin. This is Major. I'm uh, beyond glad to be on this podcast with these partners here. I am uh, going to be talking about some statistics regarding tax mm-hmm. and cryptocurrency in general, but a uh, majority of it will be covered by the other guys. Hey, how's it going? My name is Caleb Thrasher. I'm extremely honored to be joined here by the most ambitious back row in the College of mm-hmm. Business. That's right. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Today, I'm going to be digging into the tax implications of being paid partially in cryptocurrency and just what filing that looks like. Uh, yeah, I'm Cooper Bowen. I'm super excited about this. Uh, pretty much ready to get started. Um, talking about a little bit about the history and, you know, just Bitcoin and how it works mainly, but talking a little bit also about how we treat it in terms of tax. So I'm just ready to get started. Great. Thank you, guys. Once again, this is your host, Braxton Sims, speaking. Um, I'll be moderating our discussion today. So uh, let's go ahead and dive in, shall we? Uh, So Matt, why why don't you tell me exactly what is crypto? What is Bitcoin? What's the history of this infamous coin? Yes, I mean, it's very much very recent um, in recent memory when this all kind of took took on the scene. Uh, Cryptocurrency, I guess a basic definition would be it's a digital currency, which is an alternative form of payment created using encryption algorithms. And so this can function as a currency as well as a virtual accounting system. Hmm. And you need a digital wallet, um, which consists of software that has the capability to store encryption keys and confirm your identity and also link it to your cryptocurrency. And that's needed for like the use in transactions of cryptocurrency. Hmm. Bitcoin specifically though, um, in 2009 it was launched by a computer programmer or even a group of computer programmers. Um, and it was under the pseudonym Satoshi Nokomoto. And the identity of this person or group has actually never been identified. So it's somewhat of a mystery, uh, even to this day. Um, but to whenever they, this group or person launched it, it was maxed out at, at 21 million uh, coins, uh, which creates a limit on like the amount that can be mined. And as of January 29th of this year, <clears throat> there was 19,276,325 Bitcoins in existence. And if you, deep, if you take a, a deep dive back into oral history, there's a similar situation in the Netherlands in the 1600s called the Dutch Tulip Mania. Um, and this was when the tulip flower had recently been discovered and gained extraordinary popularity causing the price of the tulip, tulip bulbs to reach remarkable levels. And this was the first known speculative bubble in economic history. So the similar, similar to Bitcoin, it is a, a bubble where prices for a certain asset goes uh, kind of through the roof. Awesome. Yeah, uh, great, great, uh, great explanation. A little bit of that history. So 
you know, let's uh, get, dive a little bit uh, more into the, the technical aspects of, of Bitcoin. I know Matt just talked about, you know, the its rise in popularity because it is set at a fixed amount at 21 million. So it is now a unprogrammable, unmanipulatable asset. And it's scarce at that. And I think that has a lot to do with its popularity because it can't be printed like money. It can't uh, be kept, kept getting mined like gold and be reintroduced as output. But uh, what do you think, um, Cooper? Uh, right. Yeah. Like he's talking about, I think it's popular just because if people actually start their research, you know, um, it's actually backed by something, you know, the mining process of it, it, it produces energy, right? It takes these big complex computers, right, to run and to be able to mine this code, which in in term is exactly what Bitcoin is, is it's mining a code, right? And so in a way, people can look at it and say, oh, it's not backed by anything. But in reality, right, it is it is backed by a code. And eventually that code is going to be taken up, right? And these computers are going to get through it and they're going to have the 21 million. And we can say like, oh, this is actually backed by something, which I think is a, one of the bigger pros um, of this coin is because backed by something it's not a fiat currency right and so it like gold and other assets that you have right you, it takes that anxiety away of like inflation rates and all that and but there's there's plenty more uh pros involved with this uh cal if you want to talk about those yeah definitely a lot of pros involved with bitcoin uh like cooper was saying it is it is ultimately tied to energy right, right. that's uh that's what is backing backing bitcoin and also to touch on, that's a really critical point to, to understand that it has in many ways replaced or resolved the issues with gold, right? Physical gold, right. because Bitcoin can be transmitted electronically over, you know, in, internationally right. uh, immediately right. on, on the chain. Whereas, you know, traditionally with gold, it's very hard right. to have a block of gold you right, know, yeah. and try and shave off a couple of dollars and hope to, hope to goodness that you actually shaved <laughs> yeah. off $2 and right. not 10 Right, right. You know? So that it resolves some of those issues and some of the security issues that you were talking about earlier right. with, um, with the keys and the wallet right. and your seed phrase and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a scary thing, man. If you, if you had a block of gold just hanging out around you. Sure. I mean, I'd be, I'd be kind of scared, but yeah. you know, with Bitcoin, it's not there. It's elsewhere. You know, it's, and it's very hard to hack. It's very hard. Right. To, that's why it's, it's, uh, it's on a blockchain, right? And that's the whole thing. So with, uh, the banking we have today, it's centralized banking with the U S dollar, right? You have a middleman, you got a bank, you got a broker, you got a credit card company, right? That's in between, you know, they can jack up your interest rates, blah, blah, blah. So the thing that's good about Bitcoin is decentralized, right? There's no middleman. It's on a blockchain. Like you were saying, you know, which that means international access, 24 hours of access, right? It's difficult to hack. And again, you get reduced fees, higher interest rates and higher rate of return for yourself. And, uh, stuff like that. So, I mean, not only is it backed by something, the access of it is probably one of the bigger pros involved with it. Definitely. Um, definitely. Because, you know, that is, that is actual liberation, right? Because a lot of, uh, the values that, that we share as, as Americans, right. right? I can speak for, for most Americans here when I, when I say this, Please so, don't speak for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, they're trying to, with the recent, let's, let's just take the recent route in the, the banking yeah. system and the issues with liquidity right. and interest rate exposure. And we won't get into all that, yeah. but what I am saying is, you know, 
through Bitcoin because it cannot be manipulated, right. can't be printed. It's it's ultimately freeing right. for everybody. Right. Um, with that being said, uh, yeah, we, yeah, I think we can jump into Cali. some of the tax yeah. classifications. You raise a really interesting point there, Cali, with uh, gold like being shaved off. You say you need to buy a pack of bubble gum, you know. Uh, you're not just going to bring your bar of gold to do that, but you could do that in theory with like 0. 0.0000, you know, continue on a Bitcoin. Exactly. Now with it being that way, I feel like that means Bitcoin must be easier to trace, meaning then that it's probably easier to be taxed. Um, Absolutely. And I think this is a great segue uh, into into the tax portion of this podcast. And so um, have some tax experts here with me. Um, Caleb, would you mind sharing with us how, how should we go about taxing Bitcoin? How should we view this? Absolutely, absolutely. So one of the big things to get with how Bitcoin is received as income and how it is subsequently taxed is that the IRS views it just like being paid sort of in property. Um, so basically, when you are paid in Bitcoin, you will be paid a sliver of a, of a Bitcoin, assuming you're not making $30,000 in a paycheck. Um, so you would receive, let's say 0.1 Bitcoin, right? And you would record that on your tax returns as the value of that 0.1 Bitcoin at the time you received it. Uh, later down the road, if you were going to sell it and cash it back in, if you sold it at a loss, you would then be able to write off $3,000 of that loss. But if you sold it at a gain, uh, out, let's say it was outside of a year, it would be a, a long-term uh, capital gain. Uh, and also just going back to you guys' discussion from earlier, that it is remarkable how much growth we've seen from Bitcoin in the last 14 years. I mean, it has completely taken off. Uh, our, our, our 2022 survey, for example, found that 36% of employees want to be paid at least partially in crypto. And while that is certainly impressive for the just the 14 years that it's been around, uh, it is worth noting one of the few drawbacks with Bitcoin, unfortunately, is that it's not quite as wide-reaching as we would like it to be. Uh, for example, it's going to be awful hard to pay your landlord or actually go to the gas station and buy a pack of sure. bubble gum with Bitcoin. Uh, and that is something that hopefully and almost certainly will improve with time mm. as it grows in popularity. Um, but that is just something worth noting sure. during the conversation. So you mentioned a really interesting point there, Caleb, that when you're paid in Bitcoin, right, that's taxed as an ordinary income. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna end up adding that right to your uh, to what your taxable income is for sure for sure but I mean, that has to be recorded like you said what's so what's so kind of interesting is that if that Bitcoin then appreciates and you sell it you're gonna have a capital gain tax and so uh, that makes Bitcoin certainly very unique um, and very new to the scene for us um, something we really haven't seen quite before uh, Major would you mind sharing just kind of like what's the difference here between these capital gains these capital losses short term long term. Um, especially just with regard to Bitcoin. Exactly. Um, yeah, thanks, Braxton. So when we're talking about capital gains and capital losses, there's one big term that we hear about in tax is a wash sale. Sure. So when you take a loss on a financial stock, you have to rep you can't do that. There's a wash sale preventative law. But right now with Bitcoin, like as we said, remarkable growth, there's still some limitations in terms of legislation. So right now Congress has been trying to pass laws that allow people to not um, – do this, basically not conduct wash sales, but it failed. The most recent attempt was in December. The reasoning behind this is Congress is, is estimating that within the next decade of a legislation passing in 2024 is that they can bring in upwards of $28 billion in revenue. Wow. If you think about that for our country and how many people that are unable to pay taxes, if you were to have the people that currently are trading cryptocurrencies on, on exchanges like Coinbase and you know, mm. formerly and now deceased FTX, Sure. Which, of course, um, <laughs> Rest in had a bunch of people <laughs> in it and a bunch of things involved in it. 
you're going to have an influx of revenue, which can obviously help out the country a lot in this financial situation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so think about the um, FTX situation. You have deductions that those companies make, mm -hmm. and all the companies that are associated with FTX, apparently they made worth of, uh, took $4 billion worth of deductions that are now just gone. The government's never going to receive that money. And so you have to think about how they're going to regenerate that income. And this wash sale preventative tax, uh, law is one way they're thinking about doing that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, so let's just run a hypothetical, right? Say I purchased $10,000 worth of Bitcoin. Say that's what the price of one Bitcoin was at the moment. And then later down the line, I sold that Bitcoin for like $8,000 uh, in US currency. I would then be able to sell that Right, mm -hmm. according to what you're saying, sell that, yep. recognize a loss on my on my taxes, and then purchase right back into Bitcoin. Exactly. Effectively, I've I've just gotten away with a wash sale. Yeah, with a wash sale. That's exactly. awesome. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I would say awesome. You guys. I would say awesome. But if you think about it, and you also think about it from the side of uh, I don't know, I'm sure there's a huge topic. You guys heard of uh, NFTs? Yeah. Sure. Cryptos associated with that. Would you mind explaining that? Yeah, of course. From my understanding of what NFTs are, it's basically just a claim of ownership over something that's digital. And it's basically, Correct. You, it's paid for with Bitcoin or various millions of different cryptocurrencies, honestly. I've seen on different sorts of exchanges. FTX was heavily involved with this as well. A lot of people associate NFTs and I guess crypto in general with money laundering. And you think about that, there's a lot of money out there that is unaccounted for, even though you can still see the blockchain accounts and the, these different types of exchanges that are using them, you still don't know who's making these changes. So, mm. yeah, I mean, NFTs are, are, are another completely separate topic that we could have a whole different podcast about, but, yeah. Right, touching on, like, the fact that I don't think, which is crazy that it came out in 2009, I think it's good that we're already know, have some tax laws and stuff, but this is all obviously a growing process, and... For us to completely shift over to Bitcoin, like I don't think that we're gonna be seeing that in our lifetime. I don't. I don't think we're gonna be able to get rid of the U.S. dollar here in our lifetime, strictly because of the economic turmoil it would cause. You know, getting rid. It's just good that we are starting to look at this from a tax standpoint, making laws. You know, like I mean, again, it only came out in two thousand nine, so I think it's good that we've started moving in that right direction. Just because, like, I think. That, in a way, everybody knows that the U.S. dollar, not backed by anything, being a fiat currency, like, it's, the inflation rate, like, it's eventually may crumble on itself. And so we should be looking elsewhere for our currency. Now, the transition in these two things, I'm, I'm not the one to answer that, but I am glad that we are moving towards trying to get a little away from the U.S. dollar. But at the same time, I, again, I don't see that coming up in the next hundred years. Yeah, great, great point right there because, you know, viewing the dollar is, is an effective way to, to transact in, right? It's, it's, it is effective to a certain extent, but the printing is, is really what's, uh, you know, debasing or devaluing right. the dollar. And I think foreign countries and nations, you know, especially those who, who have natural resources like right. Russia, you know, who have manufacturing capabilities like China, right. they're seeing this uh, debasement and this continued money printing as their own exit strategy to pull right the dollar as a reserve currency status you know Saudi yeah. Arabia is talking about um, 
uh, transacting uh, for their oil in right. non-U.S. dollars. They, right. they just they just signed one with the, with the Chinese yuan, right. I believe, in Russia and the BRICS countries and all that. Yeah. And I think it's good that Bitcoin is around so that we can use it as a store of value. Right. We can still have a dollar, like you said. I totally agree. Right. But just to have something that is a unmanipulatable, right. scarce asset, yeah. just like land, just like gold. Right. But you know, it's a digital asset, right? right. It's like digital gold. Right. So as a store of value, definitely, right. I think it's great that we do have it. Yeah. But uh, ultimately, you know, the dollar is still effective right. in many ways. Right. Sure. It'll be very interesting to see the tax implications of Bitcoin in the future as well. Uh, if it were to kind of start taking more uh, territory within like the U.S. dollar right. instead, uh, more people start using it, like would the tax law effectively have to change? I think the answer we know is yes. Yeah. Um, as of right now, though, what we do know is that Bitcoin is classified as property. Right. Right. So it's not going to be, um, you know, classified in the same same realm as like the U.S. dollar. Right. Um, and so since it's classified as property, right, you're going to have this thing called capital gains tax. Yeah. Um, and so we talk about this a lot in class, but would someone mind elaborating just like what's the difference between short term and long term capital gains? Like what's the what's the difference there? Yeah, so if you have an asset like that and you hang on to it for less than a year, you're going to have to pay a higher tax rate on any gain that you would have from the, the increase in value of that asset. But if you wait a little bit longer, that's a good way to minimize how much you're paying in taxes on the gain from that sale. Um, because then it, you get into a preferential tax rate once you wait a year. So again, once you get past that year benchmark, it's a long-term gain. Uh, any less than that, though, you are going to get taxed a lot higher on the gain. Sure, sure, absolutely. Due to being short-term. And that can sometimes be a gamble, too, with the unstable, volatile price of Bitcoin. Yes. Uh, we've seen kind of tank and grow and then do the same thing again. Mm -hmm. And that has been one of the big reasons why people are not... <laughs> Even the people that are advocates of getting paid partially in Bitcoin are not looking to have their whole salary in sure, Bitcoin because right. then that can mm -hmm. your salary can lose ten to fifteen percent of its value overnight yeah. and, and gain it back the next day. Uh, but the reality is, most people need something a little bit more stable if they're using their right. salary to get by day to day. Absolutely, absolutely. Let me add one thing, Braxton. So you're sure. talking about you, it's kind of uncertain in the future, and Kayla's mentioning this in the definition of the separation of what a long term versus cap or a short term capital gain is. What I'm seeing here of Congress, what they're trying to do is in 2024, there is going to be a new regulation. So you do have some sort of understanding next year, we're going to have something that people are going to have through the exchanges, whichever one of them are still alive, because it seems like they're, they seem to be crashing after right. FTX just crashed. Right. They're going to have to send out what's similar to a form 1099B, okay. which all financial exchange, I guess, investment companies have to send out to their people that invest with them saying, here's what they lost and here's what they gained. And that's how the IRS can track you. And that's how they know if you paid on those gains or losses. That's what's going to happen next year in terms of crypto exchanges. Those people are going to have to start realizing those gains or realizing those losses. To, to me, too, the thing about Bitcoin is since it's going to be on the digital world, I feel like it's going to be easier for the IRS to track taxes. Sure. You know, yeah. right? I feel like once it's, again, we never know when that is, but once we move on to Bitcoin being our, or a coin being our currency, it takes away a lot of the opportunities for fraud, you know, yep. because we're all, there's going to be a print you're leaving behind with every exchange you're making, you right. know, yeah. so. Yeah, so that's actually um, part of the beauty of cryptocurrencies is that it's not only a currency, but it's its own accounting system. Yeah. Um, and it leaves that audit trail that um, usually cash does not. Right. Um, another little tidbit to go off of Caleb's point, it really is a gamble uh, since like having Bitcoin um, just like the volatility of it, 
uh, since 2009, Bitcoin's price has tumbled uh, six times um, and like more than uh, more than 50 percent of its value during those times. So six times it's tumbled more than 50 percent. Um, and that that's just like a, a risk. But also, if you obviously time it right, it can also be a reward since it, it keeps going back up after the crash. Absolutely. Um, there's just a few more things that I thought we could uh, just hit real quick on the tax side of things. Um, is it true that uh, Bitcoin could also, if I had a loss with Bitcoin, could it also offset maybe losses or a gain of Bitcoin? It could offset losses with stocks or other, uh, you know, things that investments I have? I believe so. Right, yes. Uh, Bitcoin is treated as capital gain or capital loss. So you are able to right now, it's basically like a stock loss. It's like you are able to either offset a capital loss or offset a capital gain. You know, it's thrown into the same pod or category as that. So as of right now, we're still able to um, offset those capital losses or capital gains with Bitcoin. Mm. And then you can use that wash sale rule with Bitcoin then kind of to your advantage yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, for now. For now, of course, until, until the IRS cracks down. Yeah, right. And of course, as your tax advisors, the partners, we do suggest that you that you do not take advantage of the uh, the wash rule because uh, you know the IRS might might come after you if you do. Yeah. Um, do so, get take. I mean, get on it now. Or get on it now. Yeah, yeah. Either 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 way you see fit. Um, we won't advise you either way. Um, we're we're learning ourselves of all legal obligations we might have. Um, well, guys, this has been a really good pleasure uh, to, to talk with you guys about taxes and Bitcoin. Does anyone have any closing thoughts or uh, anything that we might have missed? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to chime in real quick. And I don't sure. want to bore, you know. Please do. <laughs> anybody else with uh, with any more of this. But I just wanted to, and I don't mean to say this in, in, in a way to scare anybody, but our current... The current issues that we face, it, it's going to require something to really step in right. and, and stop a lot of this bleeding, right? You know, apart from just the, you know, $36 trillion in, in deficit yeah. and debt, the $100 trillion of unfunded liabilities. Yeah. And, and like I said, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but uh, got to step away, you know, got to find something better. And right. if we've known anything from, from the, you know, from the, like from, from the beginning of time, right, money has ultimately evolved. We went from right. seashells and tulips barter to system. the barter system yeah, and right. it kept evolving to silver and then gold and then it was coins that were made by mints and then by governments and then yeah. dollars. Debit so this cards, is just credit cards. debit cards, credit cards. So money is like, Payment it's always systems. evolving, right? And it's just, this is our time in our generation where it is evolving in a positive way. Sure. Uh, in this direction. And I think it's just something that, that we just have to embrace and get, uh, get behind the legal framework. Absolutely. Right. And, and that way everybody gets to enjoy, you know, the, the American dream that they talk about. That's right. Well, and bring hey, this inflation down. That's right. Come on. Uh, one thing we know is true is that with each evolution of the, of the dollar of the, how we, how we trade and, uh, value currency, there's always been taxes. And so taxes will inevitably follow. Um, we know that tax law will continue to happen um, with Bitcoin. And so we, we look uh, hopefully into the future, um, knowing that the tax law will uh, ultimately follow and the reform will come. So um, we look to that expectantly. We're super excited. Uh, we thank you guys so much for tuning into this podcast of uh, the Partners Podcast, right? The comprehensive and encyclopedic, don't forget that part, uh, guide to all things tax. So um, this is Braxton, your host, signing off. 
Um, gentlemen, would would uh, would one of you like to say any closing remarks? Uh, no, I had fun. It was it was a good conversation we had, guys. Yeah, good time. I uh, hope to see you guys uh, on for the next episode. Right. That's right. We'll see you guys in Monday. Time next week. All right. Out of the tax test. Goodbye. <laughs>